Welcome to On the Record, a guide to English law, the legal podcast brought to you by Glazier Solicitors. Welcome and thank you today for listening. I'm Bethany, the firm's business development and marketing manager, and I have the pleasure of having Tom Simpson here with me. He is our head of conveyancing, and we are going to be discussing uh, buying a house. And I'm glad that I've been able to sit down with him because as somebody that's never bought a house, I definitely have some questions. Morning, Tom. Good morning, Bethany. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Thank you to everyone for listening also. Would you like to, before we kick things off, uh, just introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, so um, my name is Tom Simpson. I am the head of our residential department here at Glazers. I've been with the firm now for nearly seven months and time flies when you're having fun. So it's been a strange couple of months with COVID-19 and everything else that's gone on with that. But I'm certainly enjoying my time here. I'm a solicitor. Uh, I've been qualified now for seven years nearly. And currently heading up the department, uh, making some changes and, and, and improving some of our, our processes and, and procedures and working with the team to, to, to provide a, an excellent service to our clients. We're glad to have you, Tom. It seems like the department has just gone from strength to strength with, since you've joined us. So that being said, are there any uh, just general terms that maybe would be good to know as somebody that has absolutely no idea? Um, I suppose there's quite a few with conveyancing. Phrases like exchange or exchange of contracts means when you become legally bound to buy or sell a property. That's when things become legal. We have a phrase called source of funds, which uh, under the money laundering regulations, we are obliged to get to the bottom of a client's uh, funds and, and how they're financing a property, whether it's whether they're cash buyers or whether it's just a deposit. But we, we ha- normally have to see bank statements. That's normally a minimum of six months of bank statements. It could be um, money via investments and shares and stocks and, and ISAs where we need to see some evidence of, of where those funds are held and how they've accumulated over time. So there are two, I think, key words at the minute in, in, in our industry that a lot of people ask me about. Yeah, exchange of contracts and source of funds. So very obvious first question, what are the steps to buying a house? So, so what are the things that I will go through when I finally find a house? Okay, from, from a buyer's point of view, obviously you found your property, you've put an offer in, it's been accepted. The next thing to do is find a solicitor. Then instruct that solicitor to act on your behalf. The solicitor would open a file. There would be some forms to fill in. There would be ID to provide. There would be the source of funds, which I've mentioned, to provide. Once all that's satisfied, all the, all the kind of the, the paperwork and the red tape, we would then request a contract pack from the seller's solicitor. The contract pack contains obviously the contract between the, the seller and the buyer. And it would also contain um, various information concerning the deeds and the title to the property, a property information form, a fittings and contents form, an EPC and various other documents that relate to the property. Once we've got that contract pack, we then raise inquiries on behalf of the buyer. And then at the same time, we would request searches. And whilst that is ongoing, we would then report to the client on various matters concerning the property. We would obviously then report on a mortgage if there was one. And we'd ask the client really to to, to consider the information we've sent through, ask them to come back to us if we have, sorry, if they have any further inquiries they'd like to raise. 
would ask the client to sign the various documents. So that'd be the contract, the transfer deed and the mortgage deed in most cases and get those back to us so that we're ready. And then really once the inquiries are, are answered uh, satisfactorily and the searches come back, hopefully in good order, the idea then is that we can discuss dates for exchange of contracts and completion. Okay, so how long that and that's a lot of steps to go through i mean it feels like for me how long does it normally take to you know from start to finish it's a difficult question to answer ideally i'd like to be able to give every client a precise answer but the, the reality is that there are too many factors and variables beyond uh, our control uh, to be able to give a precise estimate certainly at the start of a transaction on average, we take eight weeks to to complete a transaction from start to finish. But that's only an average. Um, we could have ones that complete quicker than that or some that obviously complete beyond that uh, particular time frame. Is there a way that I could speed things up? Is, you know, is there something I could do or a type of house or, you know, something that would just make the process quicker? Uh, yeah, in, in terms of speeding things up, I find that clients that are organised certainly help. Clients that are quick to respond to uh, a request for information, whether that's ID, proof of funds, um, information concerning the property, obviously the mortgage offer, we're reliant on that, being ready and, and, and in place. Um, so there are various things that a buyer can do to, to speed the process up as a whole. And I tend to find it, 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 it's centred really around being organised. Okay, so I've found a house. I'm ready to go. I've had an offer accepted. I come to you. I'm going to be organised. What do you need from me to sort of get the ball rolling? So I've mentioned it before. It's things like ID um, and proof of funds. They're the main things, really, that, that, that can slow things down, I find. So our ID has to be certified um, for our for our file. We have to obviously have a certified copy of a passport or a driving licence together with a recent utility bill or bank statement confirming the client's current address. Uh, that can be certified by us. It can be certified by a solicitor that might be more local to them, an accountant perhaps, or even the post office. There are other ways now of certifying documents, but I, I won't bore you too much with those. But they're the, they're the main ways in which, in which ID is certified with conveyancing files. When you were talking through the process, um, you were talking about different documents and things like that, um, one of the things that you mentioned was searches. Is that searches on the people? Is that searches on the house? What are searches? So searches are searches on the house. That's the general term for them. And they include, they can include all sorts, but the, 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 the main searches are a local authority search. So a search with with the local authority that is that, that has responsibility for the, the local area. An environmental search, which flags things such as flooding issues, contaminated land, things like that. You have a water and drainage search, which tells us whether the property is connected to the, the main water supply. That also includes the drainage aspects of the property. And then the final one, certainly for properties in the northwest, coal authority search. So obviously checks for any historical coal mining activity in the area and in, any disused mine shafts or, or things like that that could cause potential problems from a structural point of view, either presently or in the future. So the, the house we've found, we're all set, we've got everything done. It's not just me that's looking to buy the house. I'm looking to buy one with a partner. How is that different? Is that is there different stuff that we have to do? Um, no, it's, it's not It's not really different. We need the same documents for each buyer 
in terms of ID and proof of funds, like I've mentioned. The only real difference with buying uh, with a partner is how the parties want to own the property. Uh, we use the, the term hold. How, how would you like to hold the property? And, and that basically means one of two things normally. It either means you hold it as joint tenants or tenants in common. What joint tenancy is, is that regardless of what is in a person's will, that on death, the property will automatically transfer to the other surviving uh, owner. So that's what joint tenancy is. Tenants in common is different. Tenants in common, you can hold the property in different shares. So it could be 50-50, it could be 60-40, or it could be 75-25. But the difference with that is, is that upon death, the property is transferred in accordance with the will or, or general intestacy rules. So it wouldn't automatically transfer to the surviving owner. It could be left in the will to uh, a child um, or another uh, member of the family or anyone that, that they choose, really. Uh, but that's the difference between joint tenancies and tenants in common. Is there something that I can do while I'm buying a house um, to get that all in place? Uh, or is it is you know, is it something that you just deal with later on? It's something that we send out with our initial initial paperwork. There are a number of forms to complete. And one in particular is on ownership of the property. We have a number of kind of guidance paragraphs that give more detail into the ins and outs of what a joint tenancy is and tenants in common is. And that is all normally set out and agreed upon at the start of the process. We can, of course, advise in more detail if we need to in certain special circumstances. But on the whole, the two options of joint tenants or tenants in common will fit the party's needs and they and they tell us how they want to, to hold it at the outset. I have uh, one last question that I think is probably the most important when it comes to choosing a solicitor. But before I ask that, I was just wondering if there was... And the answer can be no. Is there one thing that you wish uh, home buyers knew about the process or maybe one piece of advice? Yeah, I suppose that the, each each transaction is different uh, and it has its own set of facts and its own set of outside influences that determine how quick or how uh, slow it may go. Pretty much every client I act for, they all ask me the same question. How quick will it take? Uh, and the honest answer is at the start, I don't know. But the average is obviously eight weeks. And, and I suppose that's what I'd like to, I, th- I think that's what some some people don't fully understand is that with a conveyancing transaction, certainly if you're in a chain, if people are buying and selling all the way up the chain and you've got different solicitors involved, obviously different parties involved, mortgage uh, brokers, mortgage companies involved, the different search providers involved, there's a lot of cogs in the machine. And if one cog, you know, falls away and stops working, then it impacts entirely on the entire process and the entire transaction as a whole. It's like a domino effect. And and that's something that I don't think enough thought's given to sometimes is that there are so many things outside of our control uh, that we are unfortunately subject to. Well, then, you know, so, so that leads me very nicely into my last question for you is what is different about your service? than the others and you know how does that impact fees what makes us different from our competitors we are proactive in our approach we are approachable we are not a factory firm as i would call them or or kind of um, a conveyor belt conveyancing department 
we offer a more bespoke and unique service whereby if you call us, which you know, nine times out of ten, you will speak to your solicitor. Of course, on occasion, you might have to speak to an assistant or, or someone else within the team, but the chances are you will get the person you are looking for. We are not a, a huge factory firm that churns out work at a low cost and at high volume. We aim to add value to our clients and their particular transaction. Um, and that's really how we how we differ, I think, from a lot of our competitors in our approach. Well, that is all the questions that I have. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. There's lots of things that I'm going to take away and have to start thinking about as I do my own uh, searching for a house. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Um, I've enjoyed it. Um, and I hope people find the podcast useful. See you later. <laughs> Bye.